1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just a Tips. It's your host, James P. Friedel. I am very happy that you guys are here with us today. Uh, we've got a really cool guest who is going to kind of probably open your minds to something that you didn't even know was possible. And Whoa. I'm excited to jump into this interview. Yeah, it's going to be great. So um, before we uh, before we get to Anton, who, um, who I will introduce in just a moment, I first have to introduce my famous podcast co-host. The one, the only, the man who rides into the studio on a white, noble steed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Dean Holland.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I jumped the gun a bit there. I, I bet you're like, Dean, you'll speak when you're spoken to. I, I didn't Yeah, even... that's
1: exactly right. I need to talk to your horse trainer. I need that horse <laughs> to keep you out of the studio until we are good and I ready know, for right? you.
0: Just horsing around over here. It's crazy. Yeah, How are you what doing, Dean?
1: I'm great. How are you doing?
0: Always a pleasure, always a good day when I'm with you. you know that.
1: Well, you know what's exciting about uh, about our guest today is he is dominating uh, like drop shipping and e-commerce yes, tons of experience you know building you know seven figure businesses and and I think you know kind of what you were uh, what you and Robin have been working on with her e-commerce business.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is one of those moments where I'm like, apologies, listeners, but this is all about me. <laughs> I'm <selfish> right now.
1: <laughs> oh, as as if today is any different, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, uh, Anton Crayley, welcome to the show. It's great to have you, man. Of course. So happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so are you sure you're ready to put up with Dean for like a half an hour? Yeah, I could do thirty minutes. You think? You got <laughs> yeah. um, I think I
0: can, I can make it work. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> one more minute and I'm done. I, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> have a hard, a hard stop.
1: Yeah, well, my my secret is I chug like a half a bottle of Pepto Bismol before I get on the show with Dean. Oh
0: man, it's a good you know, move. Like, I'll remember that. Yeah,
1: no, it's a, it's a pro tip. Yeah, I wouldn't expect you to remember on the first time.
0: I on the other uh, hand chug half a bottle of whiskey.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can tell. <laughs> so, uh, so let's get into this. So, so Anton, I want to get into you know your e commerce stuff in just a minute, but you're you've been an entrepreneur for a while and you've had you know multiple starts. I'm sure lots of successes, some some things that didn't work out. Why did you get into running your own companies in the first place?
2: Yeah, definitely. And most things do fail. I'll just throw that out there. I have a lot more failures than wins. But um, just got started back in the day because I really didn't see another option. Um, Grew up with an entrepreneur in the family, kind of saw what their lifestyle looked like versus my family's, which was Upper middle class. This was an uncle of mine and he was an entrepreneur. And I just saw some, some clear differences based on how many homes he owned and the kind of cars he drove and the boats he had. And I thought, you know what? I want, I want this stuff. And yeah. uh, he, yeah, he explained to me when I was like five years old that he, he had that because he just went out on his own early on and uh, took a chance on himself by being an entrepreneur. So I thought, okay, that's, that's what I'm going to do.
1: So, so five years old, this is like the conversation It was stuck in my head.
2: It, yeah, it, it, it was. And I'm so thankful for that because I, I would only see him like once a year. We would go there on Christmas Eves every year. And he would always be like, yeah, one day you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And like, I'd be like, yeah, I am. Because I didn't know any better because I was five years old. And it stuck with me and <laughs> <laughs> it worked. So if you have children and you're listening to this, inspire them young. It definitely has a big impact.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So what was your first thing?
2: Uh, My first thing was actually a delivery route for a bakery in Brooklyn, in New York. I'm from Long Island, in New York, and got out of college in 2006. Bought this thing for twenty five thousand bucks, which was like all the money I had saved by working in summers. And uh, my business was drive into Brooklyn, pick up boxes of cookies, drive back to Long Island, and sell them to uh, to grocery stores. So that was my first attempt at business.
1: Right. Wow. That's awesome. And and this is right after college. You did that.
2: It was right after. Yeah. Basically what I did is my, my plan back then was I'm going to buy whatever I could afford for a business and I'm going to build it up. I'm going to flip it. And then I'm going to take that money and buy another business. I'm going to build it up and flip it and so on and so on. So it was before I knew about e-commerce or online marketing at all. I just was thinking, you know, buy businesses, build them, sell them, and keep going until I could have lots of houses and cars and boats.
1: <laughs> that was all the right. game plan. So, <laughs> so, so, the, so the bakery route thing, like, did you wind up flipping that?
2: I did. Um, and it actually worked out really well. So, after I bought it, maybe a couple months after the book, The Four Hour Work Week, came out in 2007 yeah. and read that one, like right when it came out, it talked about. But building e-commerce stores, talked about Google AdWords. And I was like, oh, I could do this. Like I don't need to be technical. I could spend $29 and build a website. So I, I made a website back then called newyorkcookieshop.com and took photos like in one, you know, one pixel, not one pixel, what they it? Megabyte, like the worst quality yeah. photos ever of these boxes of cookies, put them on this website, set up Google ads. And that was my first e-commerce store. And uh, yeah, that started doing better than the actual business I bought. So I sold that. And, um, you know, while I was doing both I uh, started to sell more and more expensive products. Back then, I was importing a lot from China, but basically thought, okay, this e-commerce stuff works. Why not just try to sell expensive things? And uh, yeah, that's, that's what I did. I built more and more stores.
1: So, so before we get into this, what I want everybody listening to know is that you, the course that you create on e-com was mm-hmm. voted best e-commerce course by Shopify in 2018. Yep. Right? right like That's not a small deal. That's like a, that's like a big award.
2: And I'm hoping so, they never do it again because that was the first time they ever had an award for that. And this year they <laughs> haven't mentioned they're doing it again. So I want to be able to say I'm
1: the only course ever <laughs> voted best. But
0: yeah, it's not only the best, the only. Exactly. Course. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Everybody else took a look at it and they were like, "The hell with it." He could just. Yeah, keep not, the not, on. I'm not going to try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right there's no contenders whatsoever. That's amazing. So, um, you know, what sort of other things did you start? Did you start selling? What, like, when you say expensive, what do you mean?
2: Yeah. So back then, my, my thought process was, you know, I'm selling these $20 boxes of cookies online. Let me see what items I could sell for a few hundred or for a thousand. So what I did back then was just go on eBay and I would search like the top categories by completed listings. And I, was, I didn't have any special idea like, oh, I know about this thing. So I want to sell it. I was just trying to see what is selling and what is selling uh, consistently. And what it was were a lot of home goods. So things like furniture, things like bars, Things like, you know, uh, car parts, like wheels, just everything I could find that was consistently selling at higher prices. And um, I saw these things on eBay. I saw the proof because it said sold at. And then back then I went on Alibaba and just started to find suppliers that way.
1: Wow, that's awesome. So you were just like, all right, I want to sell stuff that people want.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I didn't want to try to create some kind of, you know, market. I still, at that point, didn't have like any kind of bankroll to work with. So I really had to be, Trying something that I knew was going to work. And um, I guess I really didn't even know it was going to. I knew people were buying the things. And then I found suppliers in China that told me, we'll sell it to you for this price. But even back then, I I was taking a lot of risks. Like the the first big shipment I I placed with China, I I spent like, I think it was like $23, $24,000 and had them ship a container to uh, New Jersey. And it was supposed to be full of all these items. And I had, I've still never been to China. It's been like 12 years, but I had no idea if the thing was going to be empty or like full of cardboard <laughs> or what. And I yeah, so that was that was the process. Just try it and see what happens.
1: Or you might open the container and Dean might have been sitting inside. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been, huh? Yeah. And he's like, ah, ha, ha, I got you. <laughs> um so uh so let's talk about some some of the things that if um if you you know how to rewind. Where were some of the mistakes that you made when trying to figure this out?
2: Yeah, so um, a lot of things just earlier on. You know, it was easy back then in 2007. There was no competition for anything. Google Ads cost you know five cents, and it was just like things were almost too easy. Where I didn't have to be good at what I was doing because I was one of a few people doing what right. I was doing. So a big thing that uh, I learned after a few years is tracking is the most important thing you could do. And you know, tracking not just where traffic is coming from, but what's converting and what's not. Um, back then, I was still spending tens of thousands of dollars a month on ads. And it's, it makes me like sick to think about now. But I was doing that and I had no idea what ads were bringing in sales because mm-hmm. sales were so good. So yeah, as things became more competitive, I was like, oh, let me figure out how e- uh, e- analytics for e-commerce works. Let me figure out how all these conversion pixels work. So that was something I definitely could have saved myself uh, some money on earlier on. And, um, you know, there's so many lessons with just things for conversion optimization on the website. But uh, another big thing that I wish I would have done earlier on that the data would have allowed me to is actually spend more on ads and try to grow faster. Uh, right. It was probably because I wasn't that confident as to where these results are coming from that I, I would you know, maybe bump my ad budget 10% a month. But if I knew what was working and I can go back in time, I probably would have doubled it every month and grown just you know, just exponentially faster.
1: Yeah, sure. So so as far as, you know, analytics and stuff goes, like what's what's the biggest thing that you're teaching people now that they need to make sure that they're doing?
2: Yep. So before you even take a password off your website, when it's built, you should have Google analytics, not just installed, but you should have it enabled for e-commerce tracking. Um, What that allows to happen is when people buy, it'll show you what the sale is attributed to. Um, Of course, we also use Facebook ads, which means we also use Instagram. So to make sure we have that tracking set up on our website as well. The good thing is with our e-commerce stores, we're not selling like one-off products. We, we built, we, we do build niche specific stores. But we sell you know a hundred products to three thousand products per site, so we use Shopify as our platform, and what's good about that is they make the, the the integration between Google and Facebook so easy that it really is just copying and pasting a few lines of code and it'll track everything for you so um, I do show people how to do that, but they make it very easy on us compared to what it used to be
1: right but it, be, it would be insanity not to track it would be it would be impossible at this point you know the way
2: that things are competitive because again yeah. you know clicks that used to cost five cents are now a dollar. So you can't just be spending that money and seeing a great return. Like it would be way too risky.
1: Right. But so, so one of the things about e-commerce is that, yeah, you've got all the stuff that we're talking about right now, which is the the digital side of making the sale, Mm -hmm. but you actually have a physical product and that has a whole other, that's like a whole other series of, you know, potential problems, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's totally different than the info side because obviously, you know, I do both and I've done both for uh, a long time now. Since 2013, I've had the info side also. And um, they both have, you know, advantages and they both have challenges. With the, the physical products, it really is a game of as soon as somebody buys from you, getting them to get the product in their hand and have the best experience possible in the shortest amount of time. You know, there is no, there's no room to be like, hey, you know, we'll ship this maybe next week when we get around to it or like, oh yeah, like let's wait three days and make sure the warehouse shipped it out. No, it's like as soon as possible, get that product out the door, get it to the customer, and make sure the customer has a good experience. Because at this point, you know, 2019 consumers really are trained with Amazon that they're going to get things fast, and there's not going to be any issues. So uh, that's a big shift that's that's happened over probably the past five years. It's been a while, but customers want products fast, and they want to know what's happening at all times.
1: So so for somebody who's either starting this or they're trying to ramp up their e commerce business, how do you deal with inventory and supply issues, right? Like what Mm -hmm. if your ads start really taking off and then you're like, shit, like we gotta turn things off because we don't have we can't send it out right away. Without me. I might be. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we try, I mean, uh, that that does happen, especially around the holiday seasons where everything just picks up. So what we'll try to do is if we see a product trending and if we see that inventory is getting low with our suppliers and the way we see this is they send us spreadsheets of their inventory. Some of them send them every week. Some of them send them biweekly. Some of us give us a login to their members area and we could see how many units of each product are in stock. But if, again, we see these sales coming in and we see inventory dropping, what we'll do is proactively reach out to the supplier and say, Hey, we see you have whatever it is, a hundred SKUs left of, or a hundred of these SKUs left in stock. Can we pre-purchase them for you, from you? And maybe we'll make a deposit or we'll do something to kind of place a hold on that inventory to make sure that that's not happening, that we're selling products and we can't get them to customers. So we definitely do that. Um, another thing we do if the let's say stock does dwindle down to nothing, if we know that stock is going to be replenished in, you know, let's just say it's two weeks, we'll say on our product pages, this product is out of stock, expected ship date is whatever the ship date is, and then we'll allow people to still purchase them. If the date is way out, if there's you know, a two month back order or something, then we will uh, just say, you know, this product's not available until whatever the date is, two months out, notify me when it's back in stock and they can request an email when we have it again.
0: Oh yeah. That's right. Cool. Yeah. That's a good thing. So we're uh, the reason I was just joking there with James, we're, we're going through a, uh, something like this at the moment with my wife's, uh, e-commerce business. Like we're like, can't get stock fast enough. We're not doing drop mm-hmm. shipping. We're actually bringing the stock in ourselves and fulfilling. Mm-hmm. We're, like at that point now we're like, Oh, we're days out from running out of stock. Like what do we do? <laughs> yeah. And then
2: that's, that's a massive thing when you're doing, you know, like like direct response type Facebook uh, ads to, um, you know, th- these products that can just take off. Like it's almost impossible to be able to anticipate how many you need for that. Yeah. It is a different business model than what we do for e-commerce because we're typically selling again, you know, hundreds or if not thousands of products. So we don't run into it as often, but yeah, I have a, uh, you know, tons of associates and people I'm in you know, different um, groups with that, that run into inventory issues all the time with that. And typically what they do is allow orders to come in, but make it extremely clear on the product page that due to demand, this thing ships in four to six weeks or whatever it may be
0: yeah no that's a great idea because the last thing we wanted yes. to do was uh switch off ads so uh. yeah and and
2: and and that's yeah and I, I get that too because then you just lose all momentum and that's one thing too that I've definitely learned over the years is you know customers are typically okay with almost anything as long as they're aware of it ahead of time, and if you could say you know on a product page that this is when we expect it to get back, this is when it will ship. They're gonna be you know they're still gonna buy the ones that'll that still want it will buy, and the ones that don't aren't gonna buy and then get pissed off because they didn't know so it's always better to have the the sales continue to come in. Um, we do the same thing we sell some some custom products that take sometimes four weeks to build, and um it's fine we don't have complaints because we just make it extremely clear before someone buys it that they're not gonna get it for two to four
1: weeks you know there's multiple different e commerce business models right mm-hmm. It's not just like Oh, it's just e-commerce, right? Like, what do you mean by different business models? Can you kind of elaborate on that?
2: Sure. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's lots of different ways to do it. You could do what, uh, what it sounds like Dean is doing where he's having products made and probably having them in a fulfillment center. So when you work off that model, you're pre-purchasing inventory, you pay for it, you're having it stored somewhere. And then when orders come in, you're having it shipped to your customers. That's a great way to do it because you still don't have to see or touch the products you're selling. And yeah, uh, yeah the the thing with that is, you know, it's, it's again, it's a numbers game. So you need to basically buy enough inventory upfront. So you know, you have enough product for when you do get sales that you could ship it, but you don't want to buy too much and then find out there's no market. So usually the, the, the scaling stages with those businesses are a little bit more difficult to keep product in stock if it takes off. But um, you know, and also you like the more you grow, the more cash you have to keep putting into it or else you're always going to have inventory issues, but long-term it's a great business model. Um, There's also different ways of, of drop shipping. So what we do is work with different brands that basically already make products and already have them in stock in different warehouses. So for my business model, since I'm in the States, what I do is I look for brands in the States that make the products I want to sell. So I'm at a a stand-up desk right now, and if I wanted to sell stand-up desks, I would go on Google, I would find every company that makes stand-up desks, and then I would reach out to them on their websites. I'd call them. If they didn't have a number, I'd email them, and I would say, hey, this is Anton from Anton Stand-Up Desks, and I want to know who I should speak to about opening a retail account. And I would just get approved to sell their products. So what we do is establish relationships with brands that focus on making great products. Um, So that's, again, the model we use. Now, the way that most people talk about e-com right now is finding a supplier on AliExpress or maybe using Wish.com, and they're selling products on their website, either ClickFunnels or Shopify, and then they're sending traffic from typically Facebook. But then when they get orders, they're coming from China to their customers, uh, you know, in whatever country they're from. And people do it successfully, but more often than not. In the long run, you're going to have a lot of complaints. You're going to have your ad accounts shut down, especially after the most recent Facebook update where e-commerce stores get graded. Um, and after people buy, they ask them, how was your experience? So that's a model that I'm not a fan of. Um, we, we've experimented with it, with drop shipping direct from China. But what we do 99% of the time is sell for suppliers that have products in stock in the States. When we get sales, they're shipped from their warehouses to our customers.
1: So in that in that model that you guys are using like where is your competitive advantage that you're just better at marketing and advertising than our comp- than our competition? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's the goal. So we do have competition. When I'm looking into this, right? Like if I'm doing research right now on let's just say the stand up desk example, there are some suppliers that it doesn't matter how good of a job we do in the marketing and sales process if I'm working, I'm using a, a very desk right now. So let's just say I researched this company. If there was 20 other websites selling it and they all, you know, were like they all looked good, they were actually like making an effort to build their websites, then I wouldn't even try to sell for this company. So there is a mm. sweet spot. We're trying to find different brands where there's 10 or less retailers, online retailers selling their products. And we are looking for ways that we can stand out. So um, obviously getting people to our website is a big part of it. But then obviously the job is they're on your website. How do you get them to choose you? So a lot of things we do is provide custom content. So things like buyer's guides, kind of like the traditional stuff you hear people talk about. But one big thing we also do is include bonus gifts when people buy from us. The Mm -hmm. reason we do that is because you can't really... You can't get too creative with pricing because these brands have what are known as MAP policies, minimum advertised price policies in place. Where you know, yeah, you're not going to sell it for a hundred dollars if you want to. If MAP is five hundred, so maybe we'll say, hey, buy the stand up desk from us, and we're going to include a free monitor arm, right? Something like that, and trying to give people incentives for choosing you. And maybe that monitor arm costs twenty bucks, but it just got you a five hundred dollar sale, and everybody that searches for it wants that free monitor arm, so they're all going to choose you. So we do things like that to have people choose us over our competition because we we hundred percent understand they will know about our competition.
1: Right, which is which is completely different than like the uh, like the info product space where everybody's like kind of coming up with their own unique angle for their thing. You're say- selling the same thing, but then you're bundling value on top of it.
2: Yes, we're doing that, and then also like it. It sounds obvious, but the level of support that we provide on our stores is. I I mean, it's, I think it's average, but from customer feedback, it's better than that. So um, a lot of these online stores that pop up, they offer next to no customer service. Like they won't have phone numbers on their websites. They won't have live chat. They'll take you know, two days to respond to an email. So we're really proactive that after people find us, we're actively, you know, trying to engage them in conversations. So we're obviously getting their email addresses every chance we can. We're asking them to opt into our Facebook messenger lists. We are live chatting with them. And we're not just saying like, hey, do you have any questions about this product? But depending on what the store is, we're starting a specific conversation. So like when people go to our website and we have live chat pop up, it would say something like, do you need any help finding, um, you know, a stand up desk for your home? Or do you want to speak with a stand up desk ex- expert? So we definitely position ourselves as authorities in whatever niche the site is built on. And then we try to provide content and helpful advice to help the, the visitor choose a product.
0: Awesome. And here's like one of the things I think is cool. And it's kind of like with what you just said there, Anton, it's like you think it's average, but actually it's the customer feedback is it's not like one of the things (laughs) I think is actually easy to do for the for the people that are willing to do it is like to actually be better than average. Like it's not difficult to be better than most in the in the customer service departments. I think so many people do a bad job. Like, and yep. they don't go that extra mile. It's like, like we, we at the moment, one of the things that we're doing that that just kind of emphasizes this thing is like, we're hiring a new member of staff who will literally just sit there and, and their whole role all day is just to call our new customers and just say, mm-hmm. thank. Yes. Like, yep. did you receive the product? Thank you for being a customer. Like, the, it, there is no, there is no like immediate return shown in that role, but I guarantee that the, that the standing out factor and the wow factor that will come from that single call will bring repeat customers back and no one else is doing that stuff. 100%. Hundred
2: percent. So we do that for our physical products and for our info products. And most of the time, right. people don't answer. a Quick voicemail. Hey, thanks so much. If you ever have, have any questions, here's how you could reach us. And yeah, it's true. People, no matter what they're buying, especially when it's from like a store they're probably not that familiar with, they're going to have buyer's remorse. So just proactively, like getting in front of that, is a is a great move. And even just having a you know a person that actually does answer when people are calling in, I, right. I wish there was a way that we tracked this of just how many people over the years have called and said, wow, you're the first store that answered the phone. I'm trying to place an order. So yeah, just just be there. That's really all it takes to give yourself a massive advantage.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and, and the funny thing that you said, like we we haven't accurately tracked this, but we know for a fact that people that call into us, like so we have in our info product side of things, uh, we do like high ticket sales on the phone. And we we know by a factor of many multiples that if people call us to speak rather than us calling them, mm-hmm. the, the chance the the percentage of success and close rates on those calls multiplies by many factors.
2: Definitely, definitely, yeah. Highly recommend that. And if anybody you know is thinking like, "Oh, I want to sell expensive products, but like I don't know anything yet, or I'm not an expert," like I, I literally find products based on what's selling, not on based on what I'm an expert at. And if that sounds like scary to anybody, like, "Oh, how am I gonna get on the phone?" It's it's so simple. So a, a quick tip for that is in the beginning, when you're learning a new industry, when people ask questions, if you don't know the answer, just say, you know what? That's a really great question. Let me get your name and your number. I'm going to find out and I'll call you right back. And just doing that, like, it builds a relationship. It like, it opens a loop with the, with the customer where you're having a conversation. And when you call them back and you give them the right piece of information, they're probably going to buy. So um, I know like intimidation of, of being an expert in these different industries scares people, especially with expensive physical products, but you'll, you'll learn over time and Customers will be happy for it.
0: Yeah, I I, I love that. Because I think that is like, even in like all the the good stuff you're sharing, I do think there'll be people listening that perhaps are thinking about getting into this kind of space. And they've got those fears, those reservations, like, oh, you know, the people always come up with stuff like it's excuses, really, isn't it? Like, it's like, I couldn't do this because. Because. or like, oh, it's, it's okay, you can do that because. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, so,
2: it's so many. So yeah, like one of the things we do is call suppliers. You know, if we want to work with a new company, if we want to sell their stuff, we pick up the phone, we call them and we say, hey, want to sell your stuff. And so many people that I've worked with, well, they just won't do that. They'll get to that part and they'll freeze. So right. they, it's like, you, 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 gotta, you gotta get over that. Like, you know, the, the, these companies, they want to work with you. They want people to sell their stuff. And the more conversations you have, the more comfortable you'll get. It's just something you learn over time.
0: Yeah, definitely. I how, think it's, how, uh, ultimately, about getting uncomfortable, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Staying that way. Yes, <laughs> as I um, am now. Just being here with you, James. Right, of course.
1: <laughs> and and also halfway through a bottle of whiskey, as I understand it, from what
0: you <laughs> three said. Three quarters now. Three quarters.
1: All oh, right, of course. Yeah, one one bottle per show. Um, so Anton, like, how do you um, how do you navigate like the eight hundred pound gorilla in the world, Amazon? Yes, yeah, so- like because a lot of like how do you how do you compete as a smaller e-com player with everybody, you know, shopping there more and more.
2: Yep. I'll, I'll tell you what, what my, my thought process is basically worse. Like the industry that I'm in, like the high ticket products that are typically very large and heavy at this point, And I don't know what things will look like in three years or in five years or in 10 years. But at this point, the types of products we sell from a price and size perspective, they're not yet cost effective to keep with Amazon, right? They're not good products for FBA. Um, There's a lot of like uh, different contracts that we have to fill out when we're getting approved with suppliers. And one of the things that we're agreeing to is we're not going to sell their products on third party platforms. And that includes like eBay and Amazon. So what that means is there's, if anything, maybe the suppliers will be selling directly on Amazon themselves. But again, because of the product type, it's still not a space that they've entered into. I'm sure if Jeff, Jeff Bezos gets his way, they'll sell everything. Um, but hopefully, that's a that's a ways out. I, what I would say is, if you know, I did have like a lower ticket product or something that was relatively small, and I owned the brand, I 100% would have a sales channel as Amazon as well. I wouldn't totally disregard them. It's just not not an issue for us at this point.
1: Yeah, got it. So what? So what is the most expensive thing that you've sold on a website?
2: The most expensive. Like the, the biggest sale I ever got was for, it was like 66, $67,000. And that was someone that just ordered. <laughs> yeah, they ordered like 30 or 40 of these, these tables for a, a conference space. And uh, that was pretty amazing. I thought I was getting scammed again. Every time I've had, every time we've had big orders come in, I always think like, this isn't going to be real. But yeah, the, the wires cleared and they got paid, but that was the biggest.
1: That's awesome so um but the, so those products are like you know fifteen hundred two thousand dollars yep. a piece yep. yeah
2: yeah yeah the, the actual like single product biggest sale was over five thousand um, don't remember exactly but it was a uh, yeah like a set of things for um, a bedroom and it was a, a pretty high- end one
1: right and so like you know in the direct response world that Dean and I operate in we're you know we're always looking at our you know cost per acquisition and like everything like that is it is it extremely expensive to sell a $1,500, $2,000 product Not, or, or yeah. do you actually get better margins than you'd think? You, you
2: get better margins. It, it definitely could be very expensive. And this is funny. This is where things get like so different from like an info business, from the physical side of the uh, physical product business. So like yeah. with my info stuff, right? we spend money like crazy and we don't spend it blindly but we have, we're casting a very, very, very wide net. We're understanding that some of the buying cycles are gonna be six months possibly, and totally okay with that. With the the physical products we sell, we are trying to be as targeted and as precise as possible. And we don't want everybody in the world coming to our websites. So let's just take the, the bedroom furniture set example. I would only try to get traffic for somebody searching for either the brand name that makes the, the bedroom set. Or the actual, you know, model number, the SKU number, um, maybe something unique about like the colors or variants that I have for sale. But I'm looking to get extremely targeted traffic. I'm looking to have like a 2.5 percent conversion rate minimum. Um, but again, it's because we're not just trying to flood the sites; we're trying to keep it as precise as possible.
1: Right, right. So you're doing more search intent.
2: All, all intent based. All intent based. And yeah. the goal is to basically 10x our money. So if I'm gonna sell a thousand dollar product, I'm if I could spend a hundred dollars and get that sale on the on the physical product side, I'll do that all day long. So that's where we're trying to find that the sweet spot.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So um so you've got you've got a book coming out soon, right? Yeah, yep. What uh what is that book called?
2: It's called Dropship Secrets. I'm going, I'm going with the secrets.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's cool. We we did things a little differently. It's a, it's a, it's a book that shares like everything I do at Dropship Lifestyle, but we incorporated like a, basically like a workbook into it. So it's a, you know, interact with it as you go. And by the end, have something you can actually work with and start implementing.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Um, As well as the book, there is a, uh, you've got a website, right? If people wanted to find out more about what you do and, and how that all works.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely at uh, dropshiplifestyle.com. Been publishing content there every week since 2013. So tons of blog posts, videos, and um, that's dropshiplifestyle.com. And then if you're interested in things that are maybe more e-commerce in general, that are not specific to dropshipping, I have a a podcast over at ecommercelifestyle.com.
1: Yeah, that's that's amazing. So um so when the book is out, where will people be able to get it on the dropship dropshiplifestyle.com site?
2: Uh, dropship com. Right now it's redirecting to oh. the main site, but it'll it'll open up when the book goes live in June.
1: Awesome. Well I can't uh I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of that. I think Dean, you'll probably want that too. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I need one for me and one for the wife. They're coming soon. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I feel like we could talk to you for probably like half a day yeah. and scratch barely scratch a surface. <laughs> of everything you're doing with e but this was like a really good appetizer.
2: Cool. Yeah. If you ever want to dive deeper, I'd be more than happy to, to expand on everything.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Dean, any uh, any parting thoughts, questions, comments? No. It- any last jabs you want to take at me?
0: <laughs> oh, I've got many of that, but we don't have enough time for that. So,
1: <laughs> Right. Same story. Thank you,
0: Anton. I, I don't know what you think, James, but uh, it's one of those rare shows where somebody has been like a complete open book. Like you've, you've just, to me, it's just been clear. You've just been pouring it all out. So I appreciate that. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I've already I've already gotten into the stand-up desk business yeah. since we started this episode. It's that easy. Yeah, that's right. I have the very desks are being shipped yeah. right now. Beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much, Anton. It's been uh, great having you on the show. For you guys who want to check out Anton's courses, uh, go to dropshiplifestyle.com. His book's coming out, dropshipsecrets.com. And we're going to wrap it up here. We appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you tell your friends about us and we'll talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreelcom forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.